Hi, love. I'm Nicole Weston, and you are listening to Redefining Motherhood More Than Moms. In this community, we focus on creating a safe and sacred space for us to cultivate loving, gentle, and compassionate relationships with ourselves first so that we can be present in our relationships with our partner and children and be the best mom we can be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode on Redefining Motherhood. Today is a special episode because we are taking both the hot topics, motherhood and COVID-19, basically merging the two together. And I am so honored to sit down with uh, Kate today and talk all about how, well, basically we're surviving COVID-19 and motherhood. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. This is going to be a really good conversation. We actually had to stop. <laughs> I, so I was like, no, 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 don't go there yet. We have to hit record. <laughs> like, so this is going to be awesome. Um, and so I just want to let our listeners know that, yeah, this is going to be a conversation talking about like real time, you know, mothering, working, entrepreneurship, you know, family all during COVID. And uh, there will be some F-bombs because we dropped a few before we started. <laughs> So if they're you well have, practiced at this point in quarantine. They're <laughs> yeah. very smooth. <laughs> yeah. And so if you've got little ones that are listening, definitely put the headphones on for sure. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Um, so thank you for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, um, and, and then what does redefining motherhood mean for you? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. It's funny because you and I have actually talked a couple of times about doing like, yeah, you should be on my podcast. Like we should chat. Yeah. And then like, like just happens and I don't fill out your form and we nope. don't do it. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'll just fill it out. And like, here we are. I know. Um, so I divine think it's, it's time. totally divine timing. Um, so who am I? Uh, I am a mother and a realtor um, and also sort of farmer. Um, so yes, that's right. sort of farmer. Um, so I work full-time as a realtor. Um, mm-hmm. my business partner is also my partner in crime life partner, Kevin. Cool. Um, so we live together, work together, parent together, farm together, everything together. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, So for those of you that are like, I've never spent this much time with my spouse during quarantine, I'm your girl. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just going to say. 365, we got it. (laughs) It's possible and and I believe in you. (laughs) Um, Nice. But it takes work. Um, So I am a full-time realtor. Um, I have two little boys. They are seven and three. Hmm. Uh, They will be eight and four this August. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, they're both August babies. And I also am a stepmama. Um, so Kevin has two older kids who are um, 14 and 15 this year. So they are uh, in grade eight and grade nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, grade eights, grade eights are having a tough time. Grade 12s are having a tough I mean, I think all the kids are having a tough time, but it's those big transitions. There's monumental years in your life, right? Yes. And, um. We've talked about it in our household. So Mackenzie and Olivia are like what they call Irish twins, right? They're like 14 mm-hmm. months apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have spent most of their life ne- like together, right? right? So this year when Mackenzie had left elementary and gone to high school, mm-hmm. this was Olivia's year to be the queen of the castle, right? And be her grade eight. And so I'm like, I do. I remember mm-hmm. that feeling. And so that's, yeah, it's a tough. Yeah, it's a lot. Tough, tough year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, who I am. Yeah. And, and so, so, but to your point around, 
yeah, I, we knew that you were going to be here. We just didn't know when. And then I posted and, and it, it just, it was aligned. And I just, I'm really, I feel like what we are going to talk about today is, so let me tell people what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about um, two, two parent home, right? Working with a job that's pretty demanding and having kids um, under, you know, the age of seven at home too, because I think that's a pretty demanding age as well as it needs to be, right? Um, And so just kind of talking about like, how are you surviving through this? You know, how are you not not surviving? You know, like all the things, because I think this is a topic that um, it it just hasn't had any light on it. And we know right now there's really not a lot of support Mm -hmm. in that. and so that's definitely what we want to dive into. But why don't you tell us what redefining motherhood means to you? Yeah, I think when I thought, <laughs> I f- full disclosure, I filled out your form very late at night. So because um, <laughs> as everyone is aware right now, the days are long, very, yes. very long. Yes. Um, but I think the important thing to me about redefining motherhood is that everything that I probably have ever witnessed um, in my life and, and the mothers that I've observed, my own um, family, like mothers in my family, mothers out of my family, there isn't a single other person that's mothering the way I'm mothering now. Mm. My life looks entirely different than any other mother I've ever witnessed. Right. So for me, redefining was like, why is there this constant push-pull of I'm, I'm happy in the moment in how I'm mothering, but then what is it that happens I don't even know if this is what I put on your form. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. It was meant to come um, out. <laughs> but, but the redefining part, I think for me is why does this voice in my head then sneak back in and say how your mothering isn't good enough or how yeah. your mothering isn't right or what you're doing? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Because if I'm happy with my mothering in the moment mm-hmm. and if I'm happy with the feedback I get on my mothering mm-hmm. for the most part, um, then where does that come from? Like, what is that? And so that to me is part of the redefine, right? Of like, wait a minute, the redefining is because those old habits or those old patterns or those old examples um, are causing this internal conflict between what I know to be working Mm -hmm. and to be good for us Mm -hmm. and what I think the answer was supposed to be. Ooh, I got goosebumps everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's a big deal. Okay. So we know that that was definitely a conversation that was happening before COVID. Mm-hmm. How has that either amped up or not? Like, is it prevalent now or has it amped right up or where do you find yourself now? So let me back you up three yeah. months, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, yes, please. So this, is, this is a news bomb even for you, Okay, <laughs> um, but that's okay. So two years ago in 2018, Mm-hmm. Um, we found out that Kevin had testicular cancer. Mm. He had a day surgery and problem solved. We okay. were carry on. He was literally off work for like 36 hours. Wow. <laughs> um, we found, we felt ourselves immensely grateful, but at the same time, a little bit surreal because I feel like when you get a diagnosis like that, but you're in and out of the hospital in a matter of six hours, Right. You're off work for 36 hours. There's maybe part of your brain that never really processes that diagnosis of I had cancer. Right. Um, and that's probably also my perspective. So I'm sure if you talk to him, that's an entirely different perspective too. But mm-hmm. so that happened to us in 2018. You blink and your life kind of carries on. Life is busy. Two little kids. We carry on. Um, 
So fast forward to December of 2019. Okay. Um, and we find out on December 18th that Kevin's cancer had come back as a 10 centimeter mass on his lung. Mm. So heading into Christmas, we mm. kind of had that bomb dropped on us. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for us, things kind of pretty much turned upside down overnight. Yeah. Um, so we found that out. They said, don't panic. Um, it's very, very treatable, but we need mm. to get you back in touch with that oncologist that you did the one consult with two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll get things rolling, but it's Christmas. And we all know that those weeks over Christmas, like um, departments, like medical, everything, nothing's operating the way it normally does, which right. is ironic because now here we sit in COVID and nothing operates the way we ever did it before. <sighs> right. But so, so they said to us, go home and enjoy Christmas. We'll let you know as soon as the oncologist has an availability. Perfect. We knew Christmas was going to be stressful for the two of us, no matter what. We decided at that point not to say anything to any of our other family or friends because mm-hmm. we didn't have enough information to share. Right. So it's kind of like, if we're going to be stressed about Christmas, why take it away from everybody else? Okay. So we met with the oncologist on January 2nd. That was a okay. Thursday. Mm-hmm. We met with him. He was a wonderful, wonderful human. Mm-hmm. He walked us through what the next couple of months of our life were going to look like. Okay. And he said to us on that day on January 2nd, um, so starting Monday, January 6th, you start 12 weeks of chemo. Whoa. Yeah. So Whoa. we were at the hospital on January 2nd for that consult. We had to then go back on January 3rd for our one-hour training session with our um, nurse educator on like, here's the... Mm-hmm. 5,000 medications you, st- you take starting Monday. <laughs> right. Um, go through that training program on the Friday. Um, get everybody ready on Sunday night. Take the kids to drop them off at school and daycare for their first day back from the two weeks of Christmas holidays. Um, and drive straight to the oncology department for the first chemo treatment. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it's been a cra- it was a crazy 12 weeks. <laughs> okay. Um, so yep. basically what that looked like is so we had a 12-week protocol so it was a three-week cycle okay repeated four times so you do week one week two week three immediately you start back into week one okay so week one was five days of treatment you go every day for three hours Wow. week two you go for one treatment uh week three you go for one treatment and then a follow-up to make sure that you're good to start week one again right so that was a lot of information, obviously, for us to take in. And that also impacts our self-employedness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So we're both business partners. Like, we both work together. So there's no other income source coming if all of a sudden this illness is obviously going to impact both of our incomes because right. Kevin's immediately not working. Yeah. And I am working, but mm-hmm. also now the caregiver and basically the primary parent because. Yeah when you're ill as a parent, you're not parenting the way you would normally parent. Totally. So the first, I would say the first week to 10 days were kind of surreal. It was kind of like, we're just putting one foot in front of the other. This is a new normal. There's like a mountain of information we're supposed to absorb and figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember sitting there kind of thinking to myself, like there was definitely a couple of days where I had that, like, I feel really sorry for myself. Yeah. And a moment course. where I was like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, this, yeah. why, are, why is this happening to us? Yeah. Um, because here I sit now, I'm 
basically it's all on me at this point, right? My, my spouse is, is busy um, fighting for his health and my kids need me. My job needs me. My clients need me. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody needs me. Right. And um, so it was tough. And then I sort of decided, okay, wait a minute. Mm. I can sit here and sort of fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way or the other, the 12 weeks of treatment are going to pass. Right. And that time is going to happen no matter what. So mm-hmm. I can sort of decide what that 12 weeks is going to look like for us as much as I can control something that I can't yeah. control. Yeah. Yep. No, I'd get <laughs> um, that makes sense. But I can decide what that, like how I'm going to handle that 12 weeks or I can let it handle me. Mm. And so little did I know, <laughs> part mm. of my coping mechanism was a countdown, right? Mm. It's 12 weeks. Right. And as soon as week 13 rolls around, we get to start putting one foot in front of the other again and, and life gets to go back to normal. Yeah. Except little did I know that on week 11 out of 12 weeks, a global crisis was going to fall out of the sky and everything was going to stop. Week 11, eh? Yeah. So we were, we were on week 11. So the last week, the last big week, we call it. So the last of the week ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the fourth week one for Kevin's treatment where we're there every day for five days, mm-hmm. um, happened just as they were starting to tighten up some of the protocols at the hospital, but things were mostly normal. They were okay. sort of asking you a few more questions when you came in, right. a little bit of screening, that kind of thing, but nothing, nothing was changing how they were doing treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, I could still go in, I could still sit with him, go in and get him a coffee, like whatever, right? I could do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, then we went back for week 11. And when we got there for week 11, they said to us, you can't come in. Mm-hmm. You have to drop him at the door because we're not allowing any extra people. Wow. Um, it, the way it worked out, I actually did get to go in cause Kevin was in really, really tough shape that week. And so it actually okay. ended up, I, I kind of advocated, um, mm. for him and said, listen, like, unless somebody's going to sit with him, he, yeah. I don't, I don't feel safe leaving him sitting by himself. He's right. tough. Um, and they, they were awesome. They said, yeah, no problem. He, somebody mm. needs to sit with him. You stay. Okay. Um, and then as it, as it happens, his last treatment actually did get canceled. So week 12, because of um, the COVID and everything else, they canceled it. He said, you don't need it. Um, your results are phenomenal. We're happy. Just skip it. It's not worth coming here. <laughs> Hold on just a second. Yeah. Results are phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, I just wanted to say that one more time because it just feels really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So So two cool things that have happened to us is um, Kevin and I, as you know, um, are big believers in divine timing and like there are no accidents. Mm -hmm. Right down to the entire journey through this, um, every single person has shown up as we've needed them. So the doctor that was in Emerge on December 18th when Kevin ended up there thinking he'd cracked a rib and turns out that the chest pain was this mass. you know, he, he knew her. So she could sit down and look at him and say, listen, like mm. just, you need to do these things, but it's going to be okay. Right. Um, so she was there on time. The oncologist is like perfect. And when we do our consult, um, we were talking to him and we said, you know, we really believe in a lot of mindset and we really believe in, in really powerful tools yeah. um, that can totally change how you handle anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, Oh, okay. He said, well, uh, yeah. Mm. 
I don't like have a lot of evidence of that kind of thing, but if it makes you feel better, do it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so we're like, all right, fine. Um, we don't have to see it our way, but just don't argue with us and they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, during Kevin's treatment, we don't need to cover all the details of the ups and downs, but that was like a crazy 11 weeks. He ended up with two hospital admissions that were um, mm. four days each time, I think. Um, so through that process, he gets one of the doctors that admits him one of the, the times that he was in for four days says to him, um, you know, how are things going? Yada, yada, right They're They're just kind of having their small talk chat. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin said, well, you know, I was really struggling, but I I've been trying some sleep meditations because I find it hard to sleep here in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, there's no science to back it up. But if you want to meditate, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you, you meditate 12 hours a day if you want, if it makes a difference. <laughs> um, and so we're like, amazing. I can't argue that that's the doctor that showed up here. Like that's not an accident. Right. Right. And so right down to the week of his diagnosis, right? At Christmas time, we're sitting there saying, why us? Like, why do we have to carry this burden through Christmas? Like, right. really? Mm-hmm. If he hadn't been diagnosed in December to start his treatment the first week in January, if they had delayed seeing us by even a week, wow! the last week that he would have had his five treatments in a row, like the hard week, yeah, would have been the first week of all the COVID restrictions. And so for five days that week, I would have had to drop him off, let him go in and sit there for three to four hours by himself and hope that everything's going okay while I'm sitting in the parking lot. Right. So it's, it's been super reaffirming to me through mm-hmm. this whole process that sometimes during my journey and, and the lessons that you learn and the things that people tell you and you think you have a tendency sometimes in those moments to say, yeah, that's a crock of you know what. Mm-hmm. This 12, well, it's more than 12 weeks now, but um, this journey since January has been super reaffirming to say, like everything I've always known is 100% true right? People always show up. Everything always happens the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. But the reason that when you posted about mothering and COVID and like what's happening and like single parents versus um, two working parents, I'm like, girl, me over here. (laughs) And and the reason that I was like me over here was because um, my perspective from this is we are typically a two parent working household. Right. But Kevin hasn't worked since January. Right. So since January, I have been a, a, not a single parent by any means. He's still there and very present, um, but I'm, I'm the only working parent. Right. Um, and I'm the only parent who can do any sort of errands because, of course, in a pandemic, he's definitely not going out trying to be exposed to anything. No. Um, so I'm the only working parent. I'm the only parent that's doing errands. I'm the only parent that can go out and do anything outside of our household that has to happen. Right. So. It's interesting because when the pandemic or whatever you want to call it um, sort of unfolded, Kevin and I kind of laughed because I said, well, we've been in training for this for 12 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Like like, social distance, stay away. I'm like, yes, weeks during cold and flu season while you were on chemo. We haven't seen a soul like (laughs) he's like, I haven't seen anyone but a nurse in seven weeks. Like like, this all started to happen. Right. And so, um, and, you know, he's, his spirits are really good and he has a great sense of humor. And so as this was all unfolding, he's like, you know, people are complaining about having to stay apart from people and having to stay home. He's like, has anybody stopped to think if they don't let us out until June, all have been locked up in this house for six months. 
listen, if anybody's feeling kind of squirrely, just to send them my way and I'll tell them how to chill right out. <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, but definitely like as this sort of started to unfold and, and I realized that um, the 12 week marker that I had been sort of hanging on to for dear life, mm. as far as like I can start to get some sanity back. Um, when I realized that that rope that I was hanging on to was fraying very quickly at the, the prospect of Corona. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a dip, like, like for sure it got ugly for a few days where I was just, um, I was in it. Like it yeah. was, it was a shit storm of, I yes. didn't sign up for this. Yeah. No kidding. Um, and, and then it sort of, it sort of has come, come around and, um, we've, we've figured lots of things out, but that process of figuring those things out has been something people would pay admission to ride on at Disney World. It's It's been a little bit of a mind fuck a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where they come up with names of roller coasters, but they might just want to call one like (laughs) Cape Rain or something, and that would probably work just fine. Right. Um, So yeah, so that's that's the backstory, the like 27-hour-long backstory of us heading into Mm. um, COVID. But that's the, yeah, that's the perspective I have coming into it, right? So one of the things that I said to a lot of people early in, in the COVID experience was if this helps you in any sort of way. On January 2nd, I sat in an oncologist's office and thought the sky has fallen. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't know how we're like what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're supposed to get through this. And we were sitting there with him telling us, this is very treatable. Like this wasn't even him telling us worst case scenario. He's saying we can treat it. It's just that your world is going to really suck for 12 weeks. Right. Right. And so I, I just kept saying to a handful of people in, you know, I don't know what it would have been, I guess like sometime in March as, as things were kind of getting out of control. Um, listen, on January 2nd, my sky fell. Mm-hmm. And then I realized the 12 weeks are going to pass anyway. And now end of March at that point, I'm on the other side of those 12 weeks, right? Like 12 weeks ago, I thought I'll never make it. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and now here I am and I'm looking back at the 12 weeks, right? Like when I, when I thought those 12 weeks were ahead of me, I thought like, <laughs> Hey man, <laughs> we're taking bets, but I don't know how this is going to go. And, right. and now I'm looking back going like, Holy, you know, um, a lot of what happened in those 12 weeks just feels like old news at this point. Like if, and, and, and yet at the same time, some of those habits that we developed and some of the things we learned about ourselves during those 12 weeks mm. um, feel like we've always known them. Like it's hard to believe that we've had that much evolution in our mm. relationship, in our family, in our household, in our business, in, in every sense of the word, because literally when we're together like 365 days a year, Mm-hmm. Any ripple in our life affects everything. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. So that's that's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, because I'm assuming, yeah, I mean, this isn't obviously, this isn't something you just kind of go around and um, share, you know, like this is a very conscious share for sure. And I think what's really interesting, you know, I've had conversations with people around like, what's the silver lining? You know, um, Brené Brown talks a lot about having like the absolute fear emotion, but, uh, you know, at the same time having the love emotion. And it's like, 
they can exist because we're in a time where like we actually don't know and you know just going back to like december 18th or january 2nd and actually hearing like the protocol at that point like there is nothing you can control other than how you respond to it yeah and lucky is not the word i want to utilize but gratitude um i think it's just gratitude for you know the power the tools the strategies that you have to be able to dive into those and just like be able to be like okay i'm human mm -hmm. and this is this sucks <laughs> right yeah. all of it yeah um, and and there's go like i can only focus on how i respond and how i show up in that and what i have been spending a lot of time thinking about is yeah, COVID is happening right now. And, and for someone who facilitates breakthrough um, intensives for people, I feel like our country, I'll just speak for country because, you know, every country is different, but like our country is literally in a breakthrough without a coach right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's intense because I think about the work that I do with people and how much the co-creation of working with someone and guiding you know, we're all looking for a lighthouse. We're all looking for someone to tell us what it's over. And you said, you know, your coping was the countdown. Yeah. And we don't have one right now. No. And I think that's got to be, I know for me, it's the biggest mindfuck of all of this because yeah. it's like, we're used to like, okay, five days of March break and two weeks on Christmas. And there's always a timeline that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, and like right now, like we don't have one. And so it's really, I think for me, it's bringing up parts of me that it's like, you, what are you gonna do with me? <laughs> what are you gonna do with that part of you that needs to know how long you gotta stay in this state for? And, um, oh geez, what does Brené call it? Uh, not comparative suffering, that was a really good one too, but, um, just the idea, oh, like this adrenaline state, like when we experience a trauma, mm -hmm. there's typically a time where we're going to be like, okay, my adrenaline's going to go for this long. And then we're going to go into a phase where it's like recovery. Yeah. And um, yeah, like right now we have no time of when this recovery is going to happen. Yeah. And that probably is, is how I sort of landed into sort of the, the center of the, the COVID experience mm. was, um, like sort of, so how did that play out? Um, week 11 of Kevin's treatments would have been March break yeah. for the kids. Yeah. So I already sort of had a plan as far as like, so my youngest is in daycare full time. Mm -hmm. So, so March break doesn't affect him unless I choose to pull him out because we're going to do something. Right. right. Um, but my seven year old is home all week. Yeah. So I had made arrangements for him to to go and play um with friends on the tuesday because that was the day of kevin's treatment that week and that was just as they were sort of starting to get us to understand social distancing and i felt a little bit sort of torn about sending them to a friends but i'm like i right i'm pretty sure that the cancer center at peterborough regional health center doesn't want them to come with us so <laughs> yeah. um, they're going to a friends and right. um so on the friday of march break our daycare closed um because they follow the lead of the education system right so mm -hmm. um <clears throat> they went ahead and closed on on the friday so all of a sudden then i didn't have daycare either for the tuesday luckily um my friend that was taking taking nash has a wonderful little herd of humans herself so she was okay. like one two drop off seven i wouldn't know the difference <laughs> it's all good 
Um, so, so the boys went there. Um, but then after that, they've been home. And so it took everything in me to get through the 12 weeks. Yes. And week 11 and 12, Kevin was like definitely the sickest he was through the 12 weeks of treatment for sure. And so I think there was a bit of a mind fuck there from the perspective of um, my brain wanting to do a countdown as far as like, we're close to the finish. We're getting closer to the finish. And then I realized about week 11 and a half um, that it was backwards because the longer you do treatment, the weaker your system gets. So week 12 is kind of just like the bottom. Right. Right. Because that's when you bottom out. It's like, we're no longer beating up your system. Now you have to start rebuilding it. Wow. So you like kind of get to the end and you're like, I expected there was some like bell that went off or like somebody somewhere like brings you a cake and is like, yay, like congratulations. And then you're like, oh, Mm -mm. oh, Mm -hmm. this is lousy. Right. (laughs) This isn't what we like, you know, because you've built up that 12 week perspective in your mind so much, right. As a survival strategy. So I, I got to a point, um, where I was angry. Yes. I was angry. I was, um, thank you for saying that because I'm like, yeah, 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 I was angry. Like I was, I was vicious. Um, Oh, and just for, just sorry for all the listeners, you are not, you are the farthest thing from angry, (laughs) right? Because I think a lot of time people are like, no, like I'm not an angry person, but the reality is we're human and Mm -hmm. that anger is real and valid. Mm -hmm. So I just had to say it because people like, you are not an angry person at all, but you are a real human and you have emotions. And I just, I'm really grateful that you shared that because to be in all of this, yeah. I think it's important to share that emotional experience too, because yeah, it's a mind fuck, but the emotions too. Yeah. And, and I was, I was angry. Like I was like, I, I don't have anything left in my tank. Like I used everything I had to get my family through 12 weeks. Yes. Right. And so then all of a sudden, when I realized that there was no rainbow at the end of the 12 weeks, because now I'm in this forever and ever plan of mm-hmm. life as we know, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I got to a point and I, I've seen some posts, I've seen some comparisons. I think Brene was one of them. And there's probably a couple of other really awesome thought leaders that deserve credit, but my brain is mushy. Um, but it's not my thought. That's the important part. <laughs> that's, that's fair to say. Thank you. <laughs> um, was, was there was a lot of comparison in the beginning of, of the uh, adaptation to like COVID lifestyle, if you yes. want to call it that. Yes. Um, as far as comparing our experiences to grief, right? And the grief process of grieving the life that we used to know yes. um, or that we used to have or, and, and enjoy, right? So in, in part of that, I definitely think I got to a point where there was absolute grief and it wasn't grief of the life I used to have because my life for 12 weeks had already been nothing I'd ever experienced before. Right. But it was grief for the fact that I thought help was coming. Right. Like it was grief for the fact that that was supposed to be when I got to tag in some help and say the 12 weeks is done. I, I was honored. Like I'm truly, truly honored. And it's funny. I will tell you this right now. There's a part of my brain that's saying, I don't, I hope Kevin listens to this, but I hope that when he listens to this, he, he hears in me the honor I have in getting to experience those 12 weeks. And when I say I'm the only working parent or I'm the only this or the only that, 
there's not one ounce of my soul that's bitter about it. Like I'm so privileged and so honored to have had that opportunity. Yes. But it's a lot. Like it's, I don't think anyone would argue. And so through that experience, it was the grief of, I was just supposed to get through the 12 weeks and then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could have a little bit of a break. Yeah. Right. Kevin would start to feel better. He would start to get back to work, which would mean I didn't have all of the business happening, you know, falling on my plate as well. Right. Um, we had literally talked about the fact that when he was done his treatments and was feeling up to it, I would maybe try and sneak away to like Sadie and Mm -hmm. off for 48 hours and just be like, (laughs) no one talked to me. Like I can't, like I just need a break. Yeah. And so there was real true grief over the fact that like, at this point, if I get to see Nan's spa by Christmas, we're probably going to be in great shape, right? So um, there was real, like there was real emotion there. There was real messiness that I had to sort of go, okay, I am not happy. I am not, I was honored. I was grateful. I was all the things I'm supposed to be. And now I'm just fucking pissed off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and so then once I got to that point though, and, and really, I think that was it, like literally bottom, like rock freaking bottom, man, mm-hmm. um, from an emotional perspective. Yes. When I got there, then I got to, to figure out, okay, I can sort of um, armor up again, as Brene would call it, right? And go back out there or... Mm. I can sort of do the name it to tame it, right? Like it was just sort of, I can't get through this. I can't win this battle um, if I don't get real with myself about what is this. Yeah. And so then it was, um, there was a a ton of comparison because that was right about the point in COVID where everyone was posting like, learn a new language, write a new book, um, (laughs) like (laughs) conquer the world. And, And you and I were laughing about this, but I'm like, learn a new language. I'm just yeah. trying to learn a language that's suitable to spend with my children 12 hours a day. Absolutely. Because I have learned that I use a lot of language in the six hours that they're gone to school <laughs> that is not appropriate for parenting. And I apparently get it out of my system in those six hours because prior to COVID, I don't think my kids had heard half the words that they are now accustomed to. Right. Yeah. So we're joking about this because my three-year-old will go to school in September. <laughs> right. And so I said, I feel like I'm going to have to write an apology letter. Um, to the kindergarten teacher and say, um, I love and adore you and I wish you well for the 2020-2021 school year. Um, Please know that my child did have some manners, but (laughs) basically survived as a bush child for the last eight months. And so... Yeah, All no. off. Like <laughs> he did have manners. Hashtag COVID nineteen happen, yeah. and this is where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. He it has absolutely been survival of the fittest at our house, and he is not going to go without. Let me tell you. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. but but that was like that's it. Like that's the real honest sort of like messy truth of it was ugly. Like there was days where Kevin would look at me and be like, "Just take the dog and go for a walk. Like just yeah. like you need to leave these four walls. Yes, come back when you're ready." but you, you are being nasty right now. You are being angry. Like you are, you are angry. And because you're angry, you're being nasty and you have like, you, you need to do something about that. And then, and you can be nasty. You can be angry, but I just think if you go for a walk, it will, you'll get a better outcome. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Um, I accept you as you are. And all of this is valid. I need you to go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because like in hindsight, I think about it and I think, 
but here's this poor man who's trying to recover. Mm. And so, you know, we're talking about motherhood, but on the flip side, um, I'm sure this isn't the recovery journey he ever envisioned either, right? With having right. two small children climbing the walls. Like there's not a lot of napping happening at our house right now. <laughs> right, right. Right? But for him to decide like, it's more important for you to go for a walk than it is for you to be here to support my recovery because like, let's not kid ourselves. The kids are still maniacs while I go for a walk. Right, right, right. right. Yes. So, so I think what's really Again, thank you for sharing all of this because it is the real, raw, messy truth. And, you know, so we've, we've said, you know, there, is, there isn't a light. There is no end date that we can see. And I think what's different now is that there, even when things start to transition, there is going to be so many differences, so many new normals. And it's almost like as a collective, we are grieving all of the things that we wanted or all of the things that we thought would be. I know that's a process. I've been experiencing waves of that since the beginning. Um, you know, just to, the life that I thought I would have for Hannah. And now it's like, it's blurry. Cause I'm not sure like what that looks like. Like, will she go back to daycare? And I know what my thoughts were like before, if she were to get sick. And it's like, now I just, you know, there's this human in me and there's a spirit in me. And sometimes we're on I would say the majority were on the same wavelength and other times we're not. And uh, I think how I'm choosing to respond to myself in those moments is helpful because to be honest, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I've just been wasting, I have something in my eye right now. (laughs) Um, We've just been like wasting, I've been wasting time trying to figure out that. And I know that that has, or that has, that's what brings up the most fear or anxiety is when I'm out there trying to figure out what this all means. So for me, and I've only got one, you've got two, and you've got all of this other stuff going on. What has been the saving grace? What has been the piece of, what has been a piece of the piece of the piece? Like, where have you been fueling your cup? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it came from, I think, I think a lot of it came from like, once I could acknowledge that I was in the messy part. Mm. So until I think until I recognized that I was in the messy part and really, I don't think I got there until most of the way through the 12 weeks. Right. Like I really think um, that the 12 weeks of treatment, I just kept like, literally it was like, okay, how do we survive the next 24 hours? And then how do we survive the 24 hours after that? Right. And so it was like, I can't go to bed at night until I have a plan for tomorrow. And then once I have a plan for tomorrow, I can close my eyes. And then I wake up in the morning and I literally one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other until my sweet little tiny humans close their eyes for the night. And then I sit down and I go, what didn't happen today? Mm-hmm. Finish all of that, make my new list for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So the 12 weeks from that perspective were okay. And during those 12 weeks, I still had my village. Uh, okay. Cause I was right? going to ask, like, how are you doing this without the village? Cause we had, we had a village. We were, we were so blessed. I mean, there was a lot of things I still had to do myself because um, you know, people, people were amazing at offering our school community is like, mm. um, delightful. Like we had a, a meal train basically of just the teachers mm. made meals for our family. And like, I would get there to drop off and pick up from school and, and the secretary would call me and be like, make sure you come in. Like I have stuff for you. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know how to express the gratitude I have for that. They, my child's in grade two we've only been members of that school community for four years. Like we're not wow. in grade eight. Like these are not lifetime friends. Right. Um, we, we're pretty involved in the school. Like I do a lot with the school as well, but um, 
so one of the things that I learned through all of this, and it was hard in the beginning, hard, okay. hard, 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 yeah. um, was learning to receive, right? Like I was like, no, no, it's good. I got it. I got it. I got it. And then I was okay. like, I ain't got it. <laughs> like, and we're that's not, like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, I ain't got it. Like, uh-uh. No, bring Come the on. food. Bring the food. Uh, yeah. Because I'm like, and I'll be the first to tell you, like, it's okay if your kid has cereal for dinner five nights in a row. Mm-hmm. It's okay totally. if your kid decides that today um, I'm wearing the same clothes I wore all day to bed because then I don't have to get dressed in the morning. And instead of thinking, oh, that's terrible, you think, yeah, that's efficient. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, totally. It's okay if you like, make choices that you know six months ago, the old you that existed six months ago would never have probably made right? The, the evolution of, of that, right? And, and saying like, pre-COVID me could never have imagined what post-COVID me would look like, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin and I had this discussion because of course with his, um, his health right now, he's, he's great. He's finally, like, he's really starting to feel like himself again. And we are so, so grateful. Um, we do a follow-up next week with the oncologist. Okay. Um, and, then, and then I think that's it. Um, so yeah, so he's basically done treatment for 30 days. So they say they give you like a 30 days and then you do your follow up and then bye-bye. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like he's literally going to burst it. I should get him a butterfly costume because I really think he's going (laughs) to like come out the front door of our house and be like, hello world. Like here I am. (laughs) Um, but I said to him, that's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I said to him. It's interesting because I don't know how much of this, um, like where we'll be at by the time he feels um, like well enough and safe enough and sort of comfortable enough in his recovery to say, I'm okay to go out again. Right. Right. Because obviously that's a, that's a touchy thing when they've told you you're immunocompromised in the first place. That would be hard to do even if there wasn't a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Right. For like sure. you told me for 12 weeks, my safety relies on me kind of keeping my distance from people. And now you're yeah. telling me I can go out. Oh, except everyone is keeping their distance from everyone right now. Um, So when he gets to that point, and I'm sure that again will be a bit of an evolution of like, I I maybe go out for a drive, but I don't really see anyone. And then Mm -hmm. maybe I just like make a quick errand and that like, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. But when he gets back out there, whenever that is, I said, I don't know, depending on how long this takes, um, what retail experiences and things like that will be like. But I'm like, I, I got home from getting groceries one day in the last like two weeks. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm so tired. Like I'm so tired. Just the experience of getting groceries has me like wanting to have a nap. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And he's like, what, like, what do you mean? And I, I literally looked at him and I was like, I, I couldn't begin to explain to you how the world has changed out there. Yeah. And some for the good, some not so good. Um, but I would liken his experience, I think, to like, you know, you see those like, um, like post-apocalyptic type movies where people like come out of the bomb shelter and they're yes. like, <laughs> I feel like that's going to be Kevin because he's like, right. I haven't been out to see how this has evolved. Right. Right. So we pulled up, um, I don't know, one day in the last week I had to go pick up a prescription for him, but he, he was with me and so were the kids. I think maybe we were just using it as an excuse to like get out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So he was driving because he was having a great day. And so we pull up to the pharmacy and, and you could see him. So we pull up and the pharmacy, I already knew this. They have a rule. There's a sign on the door that says one patient in the pharmacy at a time. 
Okay. And it's very small. So you can see from the front window whether someone's in there or not. Right. So I already could tell that there was someone in there. So I didn't get out of the truck. (laughs) Right. I'm like, I can see when that person comes out, I'll know it's my turn. Mm Mm-hmm. So we pull up and then you can see the awkward, like Kevin's sitting over there and you can see him kind of look at me and be like, okay. And then he looks at me again and he's like, like, what are you doing? Are you going to go in? (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, but there's one page, like there's some, there's someone in there. I can't go in. And he was like, how do you know that? And I'm like, wow. Yeah, he doesn't know. Nothing is like it was the last time you were out running and doing errands, like not ever thinking about how you do those things. You just do them. Mm Mm-hmm. The right? social norms around all of that have shifted. We went and picked up a potty curbside yesterday and uh, th- I called and they said, put your driver's license at the window. So in my mind, this is my <laughs> first experience, I did down the window. She stopped in front of my car and she said, and all like respect, right? She was like, roll up your window. But thank God I had my window down because she had a mask on. She had, and I was like, Oh my God, I feel terrible. I didn't know. I didn't, I I didn't know. I hadn't, I didn't, it wasn't in my model of the world because I just thought she would need to see the driver's license. So I thought, yeah, like I can go through a drive-through and like, that's acceptable. Right. So that was my model, but it's like the transition and the mind fuck around all the social norms we have come accustomed to. Yeah. Literally we've had to let go of them. And I just feel like there's no room to talk about it. This does I went to Costco a week ago or 10 days ago, can't remember. And I cried in the parking lot when I left. Yeah. I couldn't believe. And, and, you know, people can say you're sensitive or you're emotional, but I think it's just, I'm a human and the amount of change. Oh yeah. Right. And, and, and I like, we need to process it. So I just like cried in the parking lot and I was like, I could say it's the moon, but I'm pretty sure it's because the last time I came here, it was not like this. Right. So I I can imagine when when you're a kid and you like pack up and you go to like sleepaway camp and you cry because you're homesick. Yeah. We're homesick and we never left home. Like I'm just sick for the, like the way my world used to be. Yes. Right. And it's like, I can't do anything about that except Yes. Um, I really thought about this because I was really struggling. Like, um, and this is funny because you, you just made the comment about how um, people can say you're too sensitive or they can say it's the moon or they can say it's whatever. Um, prior to doing a lot of really deep personal work, mm-hmm. I have been accused of mm-hmm. being emotionally bankrupt. <laughs> oh. Um, it's, it's like an ongoing joke now because I'm definitely not. Um, but I, I have been in my life known to be a very harsh, very sort of sarcastic, dry sense of humor, but dry sense of humor from a armor sort of protection defense mechanism type perspective. Right. Right. That's who I, I always was. Um, but now when they, when someone made a comment and this one hit me like a ton of bricks, when they said, Likely those plexiglass dividers in front of the cashiers in all of our, our businesses, those will probably never leave. They'll just leave them there. Yep. And I literally was like, I need to cry about that. Yeah, me too. I cried about it. I was like, that, that just can't happen. Like, yeah. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what they might have or I might have. We are humans. We are not animals in a zoo. We are not like, you must remain mm-hmm. 10 feet back. Like, yeah. that doesn't work for me. The yeah. person on the other side, like... My bank teller is like, pass me your card. Yeah. Plastic. Because yeah. you're like, I'm so far away from you and you're trying not to yell at me. So I'm trying to read your lips. Yeah. I'm like, 
I normally ask you about your family and what are your kids up to? And we have a friendship, even though I don't even know where you live. Yeah. It's the village. It's just yeah. in those nuances. Right. And I love when I go to, to the stores and they're the best one was, and I think this was right when the transition happened, the cashier said to me, I'm actually enjoying, and this is before the plexiglass was up. She's like, yeah. I'm actually enjoying this social distancing in this context because everyone is slowed down mm-hmm. and people are talking because they're not rushing through because we're not letting them, right? Because you've got to wait a certain amount before you can load up. And I was like, oh my God, I love her perspective. And I've just been really grateful because every, every time I've gone to, to Zares and Barry, yeah. they have been so lovely Mm-hmm. And I have not experienced it everywhere because everyone is under stress. So like, I get it, Yeah, but it is breaking my heart. So there's part of me that's like, I understand the necessity and the safety of this. And the other part of me is so it is breaking because I really enjoy interacting with other humans. Yeah. And I think, um, I think some of that is, is sort of a decision-making process in the fact that sometimes what's really, really important and really, really, um, vital to us is also the thing that might break us. Yeah. Right. Like you want to talk about like pain versus purpose, right? Um, it's kind of the same thing as like when you're a parent and, and mm. when you're a mom and it's like, it breaks my heart to have boundaries and enforce rules while you sit there and cry. Like I have wounded your very mm. deep, like at your very deepest level, me mm. taking away the bag of cookies has broken yes. your soul. Like, I am sorry that your world doesn't make sense when you can't have Oreos for breakfast. Really, yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, but, but we know that. Like, we all know that feeling of, I know that this breaks your heart, and yet it's so, so much for the very best. Like, you have so vi- to. What you exactly right? said, it's so vital for you. And I think vital right. is, like, the most important word. And so when we talk about, like, COVID and post-COVID, I hope that as a society – we realize that part of what made this so hard, which I think most people get now, but part of what made this so hard was the isolation component. So it was, yeah, there was this, this whole fear around the actual illness, but most of the exasperation and like most of the, the really sensitive things that are going right now or the, the biggest challenges that I see people facing have more to do with the isolation than they do with the actual illness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 100% okay with a world where there's always an inherent risk, but I will take the connection over the Mm -hmm. plexiglass barrier every time. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't like the world that we have when our whole world has to happen through plexiglass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, just there's gotta be another way. Yeah. There has to be another way for the survival of our, of our, of our society. Yeah. And, um, and I think so much of this is such a metaphor for motherhood and for how moms have just had to show up and do things differently and do things they've never thought they'd have to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you were to say, looking back now, cause I don't know what week we're on, um, <laughs> for you specifically, cause it's the 532. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> if you were to know, um, like, what would you want yourself at that time to know about yourself? Like, what would you tell yourself now looking back to like pre any of this, like pre like January yeah. 2nd, what would you want her to know? Um, I would want her to know that um, 
you have like literally you have been told countless times in your life like you are capable of way more than you think you are Mm. um and I actually have said that to people like I'm like you know that stupid saying you see on postcards it's like you don't know what you can do until like you don't have a choice right and you always want to light it on fire because you're like that's full of crap (laughs) um it's actually not crap right (laughs) um and and that's been probably the biggest like hands down is is it's actually really really true and it's true for every single person because through all of this like like my whole however many week journey Mm -hmm. um the number of times people are like, I have no idea how you're still upright. Like, I have no idea how you're still doing what you're doing. And I'm like, there's no plan B. Right. Like, like I missed the part of the story where it said you can like flip to page 632 and you can skip this part. Right. Like, remember those choose your own adventure books when you were a kid? And it was like, if you want to go down, down the elevator, flip to yeah. page 37. <laughs> if you want to go up the stairs, go to like 62. I'm like, that's what my life felt like. Like I was like, I picked the wrong page. <laughs> like, can we Someone go give me that page? other option? Yeah. And then I was like, no, but seriously, all kidding aside, I, there is no plan B. And so I think probably in hindsight, if, if I could have known one thing that would have been probably the most powerful in my whole life to date would be right. th- there's no plan B literally. And, and more from the perspective, not of like, just suck it up and keep going because there's right. no other option. But from the perspective, there's no plan B, meaning if it's happening and if it's here in front of you right now, it's because it's supposed to be there. Mm. Right. And so you can't connect the dots looking forward, only yeah. looking back. Only. Right. So every single thing that's ever happened in my life has put me in a position where I had the skills, the awareness, the tools, the whatever um, to, to survive this experience. And Lots of them, like, I'm, I'm not for a second telling you there's probably not some other skills that would have been helpful right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that I have got from any experiences in my life have served me well because we're on the other side of 12 weeks. We are in the middle of a undefined period of time right mm-hmm. now. And my kids are both alive. Um, they are both eating a lot, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are eating 12 hours a day. Let's yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Just snacks to meals to snacks to snacks. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, they're happy. Yeah. There, there are days where they're like, I'm packing a bag. I'm out of here. Um, yeah. um, yes. First car that goes by the driveway, they're going. <laughs> um, but, but we're here and we've done puzzles as a family. We've, um, we bought a trampoline on March well, break because I was like, if you don't find something for these kids to do outside to burn off some crazy, I'm going to bounce. So I remember it was like literally like March break. And I was like, I can't handle this. When I, when I, I think that was right about the time they announced that the kids weren't going back to school. Yeah. You're like two weeks now back when we thought this was only a three week thing. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and I remember thinking I have to do something. And so it was like eight o'clock in the morning and I bought a trampoline on Canadian tire.ca and I called my dad and I was like, okay, I bought a trampoline. If I drive over to the warehouse and pick it up and bring it home, can we watch you through the window, build it in the backyard so the Aww. kids bounce out some crazy? And he cool. was like, yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, we, so we got a trampoline. But almost every day, I spend at least half an hour on the trampoline with the kids. Cool. They don't want to go out without me, which some days I'm like, really? Are you sure you don't want to be independent? <laughs> Just shoot. <laughs> um, so no, mommy, like, come and more times than I can count, like through this experience, 
if I really stop and think about when they're asking me to come and do that and I'm feeling the push pull of all the other things I think I should do while they're busy on the trampoline. Yes. More times than not, I have opted to just give in and go to the trampoline Mm -hmm. and the sky didn't fall. Like, yeah, there was nights where I stayed up way too late trying to catch up and yeah, there was um, laundry that didn't get put away and you should see the dirty dishes stacked beside our sink most days. But all those times that I could have said, I have work to do. Like, go jump on that trampoline and leave me alone. And I've <laughs> said that a lot of times. Don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But all those moments that we have spent together on the trampoline, mm-hmm. it wasn't at the expense of something else. Right? Well, right. And that's what I think is redefining motherhood is that the dishes and the laundry and all the things that, you know, are like you had started this conversation off by saying the old examples, the old programs, the old expectations of what mothers before us, mm-hmm. the expectations of that, like those are the things that we are redefining. You know, yeah. spending less time with items and spending way more time with with the people that we love. I think, mo- like you said, the push pull is exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, which moment am I going to push and which moment am I going to get, like not give in, but just give in to having fun. You know, yeah. I think that's like a constant question as a mom. And I think that how we respond to that voice in our head is the one thing that can make the biggest difference um, and is the one thing that we can control, right? It's like, I've been looking at a pile of dishes on the, um, on the side of the sink for like two days, but I'm like, in this moment, what is more important, right? Yeah. A podcast interview with you, <laughs> right? And prepping and having fun, or yeah. do I want to spend, you know, the time before this prep, you know, playing and, and, and doing those things? Because like, what's most important? And I think when you started this conversation before anything, you had talked about, you know, that voice inside our head that says whether we're doing a good enough job or not. And it's like redefining motherhood is redefining that fucking voice. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. I, I think I couldn't agree more with you. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing and um, bringing us into your world for the last five months. <laughs> almost. Mm-hmm. I almost yeah. did that math in my head. Almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One thing that has not improved during quarantine yeah. is my ability to do math in my head. Yeah, I have I spent think- zero effort trying to improve my math skills, let me tell you. Yeah, that's not something yeah. that I'm focused on. But no. I'm just no. really grateful for you to you know, share this and bring this in and give us your grace and your strength. And I hope that if there's a mama out there listening today that she can dig deep and know that she is so capable of so much more than she thinks she is. And I love how you said there is no plan B and that's not, um, you know, to suck it up, but that's to just dig deep and know that you are, that you have everything that you need. And I'm just like, I just, I think I'm going to just listen to this episode over and over again (laughs) (laughs) and I will definitely have you back. So yeah, Yeah. just let's do it again. So thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we're just thinking of you and we're sending you all the love. And just before we sign off, it's 111. This we've oh we've been recording for 111.11 seconds. <laughs> yes. How beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much love. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am so grateful. I want to invite you to join our Facebook group Redefining Motherhood More Than Moms. You can find the link in the show notes below. 
And if you want to find more information, more resources, and stories, you can subscribe to our weekly More Than Moms journal. I want you to remember that you are doing the best you can with the resources that you have. You are loved, you are worthy, and you are enough. You got this, Mama.